Hello everyone, welcome back to Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. Going to be doing another historical gaming episode, but this is actually going to be a two-parter. And we're going to be discussing how you can run a Dungeons & Dragons campaign during the time of the New Testament. In part one, I will be providing the background information, and in part two, Chad, my longtime partner in crime, or I mean partner in podcasting, will join me as we discuss the actual game-related stuff. Now, I decided to break this into two parts to prevent the episode from running too long. I already have a lot of information for just this segment, and I figure that if I did include, you know, both of these parts in one episode, the episode will be running well over an hour, and I know that uh, we're trying to keep our podcast to about the 45-minute to an hour range. Generally, that's about the ideal length for a podcast, because I admit, while it is easy to go rambling on and on and on for more than an hour, sometimes the audience can get kind of bored, or some people just don't have time to listen to a podcast for longer than an hour at a time. Some of you might also remember how Chad helped me with an earlier episode I did, where we did an episode called Historical Gaming, the Old Testament. So, it should be interesting to see what we do with the, the New Testament part of it. One thing I do want to mention before we start with this episode, we're going to be talking about real-world religions. I know with some gamers, this can be a touchy subject for a variety of reasons, and I want to stress that this is being done to keep things in the historical context. This episode, and the next one, part two, are not intended to promote or demonize anyone's religious beliefs. Also, since this episode is intended to be for historical reference as opposed to theological reference, I will be using the scholarly terms of CE and BCE. CE being short for Common Era and is equivalent to the term AD, and BCE stands for Before Common Era making it equivalent to B.C. I also want to mention that, while I do have a degree in religious studies, most of the classes I took were either in the Old Testament or the modern-day practice of religion. I did take one class devoted to providing a broad overview of the New Testament and a class called Religion and Culture of New Testament Times. I also did independent study projects on the Book of Revelation and the development of Satan between the Old Testament and the New. And if you go back uh, a year or two for my Halloween episode, I actually did read that report on my podcast. So if you think that one sounds interesting, then you know go go dig back in my uh, archives. It's like I said, it was a Halloween episode, so it'll be somewhere in October. I'll go back and take a listen to it if you're interested in that kind of thing. But while I do have a degree in religious studies, I do not consider myself exceptionally knowledgeable in the New Testament overall. But as with all of my historical gaming episodes, I did put a fair amount of research into this episode. 
Now, in this case, I focused more on historical and scholarly sources as opposed to religious ones where appropriate. And I did this because one of the things I've noticed with solely religious sources is that they tend to paint all major historical events as this happened because God willed it without providing any historical, political, or cultural context. Before we get going, I would also like to recommend the Glory of Rome sourcebook. It's part of the historical reference series for uh, AD&D 2nd Edition. So even if you plan to use a different version of the game, I highly recommend it because it does provide some information on the Roman Empire, early Christianity, and game stats for some of the weapons and armor that were in use during this time. Now, as with my other historical gaming episodes, we need to discuss what time frame we are working with because that determines what type of equipment the characters will have access to, as well as what was going on in that part of the world at that time. The time period of the New Testament ranges from approximately 6 to 4 BCE to approximately 110 CE. The actual composition of the New Testament came a bit later. The earliest known fragments have been dated to somewhere between 125 and 150 CE. Based on clues from the Bible and historical documents, scholars believe Jesus was probably born between 6 and 4 BCE, started his ministry sometime between 26 and 30 CE, and was likely crucified sometime between 30 and 33 CE. The book of Revelation was believed to have been written around 95 CE, though it is debated as to whether this was supposed to be a commentary on current events or a prophecy of the future. Some of the various letters that are a part of biblical canon were believed to have been written after 100 CE, as the church was still in its formation stages. Now, speaking of the book of Revelation, it is commonly believed that it is supposed to be a reference to the persecution of Christians under Emperor Domitian, who reigned from 81 to 96 CE, though the severity of the persecution is not universally agreed upon by historians. We don't have any historical Roman documents accusing Domitian of ordering Christian persecution. There is a theory that since he had offended the Senate, his successor, Emperor Nerva, may have tried to soil his reputation. It is possible that the persecution of Christians under him may have been no more severe than most of those who came before him. Oh yes, and of course the mispronunciation disclaimer is in effect. I do not speak Hebrew, I do not speak Latin, so most likely I will be mispronouncing a lot of these names. At the start of the time frame we're going to be discussing, Judea was a province of Rome under the rule of King Herod the Great. Herod was heavily influenced by Greco-Roman culture and actually did manage to keep peace between Rome and Judea. He also spent a lot of money on various building projects. 
This included non-Jewish temples, which did not sit well with some of the population. He also had several members of his family killed out of fear of revolt. He is also known for an event called the Massacre of the Innocents. When the three magi came before Herod and explained they had followed a star and wanted to pay homage to the king of the Jews, Herod became enraged. He ordered all males younger than two years of age to be killed. Well, this act certainly was within Herod's character based on what we know about him. Historians debate if this event really happened or not. After Herod's death in 4 BCE, Judea was divided between his three sons and his sister. His son, Herod Archelaus, was known as a bloodthirsty tyrant whose cruelty matched his father's. But other than that, from this point up until when Jesus was believed to have started his ministry, things were relatively uneventful. Another important event that took place during this time was the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem in the year 70 CE. This siege came four years after the Jewish riots of 66 CE. From 67 to 68, Jerusalem was in turmoil as various factions fought for control of the city. Rome fared no better that during this time, and 68 to 69 CE became known as the Year of Four Emperors. Nero had committed suicide, and three Roman generals tried to take over the empire until Vespian prevailed. He ordered the siege of Jerusalem in part for political reasons. He realized this would help paint a picture of him as the one who stabilized the empire and brought peace back to Rome. A siege was believed to be the safer route to this goal, as a quick, decisive victory would look better than a prolonged and potentially costly military campaign. We also can't ignore the burning of Rome in 64 CE. Even though this event didn't happen in Judea, it does have repercussions for early Christians. The fire started in the, in the Circus Maximus and quickly spread through the city. Nero claimed that the fires were started by Christians. Since the early church was already viewed with suspicion and distrust by most people, Christians were the perfect scapegoat. But not everyone believed Christians were responsible for the fire. Back then, as is the belief today, there were people who believed that Nero had ordered the fires started so he could burn down a bunch of stuff and rebuild the city as he pleased. The actual cause of the fire is still not known, at least according to the sources I consulted when preparing this episode. Sadly, this event would lead to one of the first instances of widespread persecutions of Christians in the empire. The historian, Tatticus, wrote the following of these persecutions. Mockery of every sort was added to their deaths. Covered with the skins of beasts, they were torn by dogs and perished, or were nailed to crosses, or were doomed to the flames and burnt to serve as nightly illumination when daylight had expired. 
Nero offered his gardens for the spectacle, and was exhibiting a show in the circus while he mingled with the people in the dress of a charioteer or stood aloft on a car. Hence, even for criminals who deserve extreme and exemplary punishment, there arose a feeling of compassion. For it was not, as it seemed, for the public good but to glut one man's cruelty that they were being destroyed. So because of events like this, you might be tempted to have your players looking over their shoulders at all times, if they decide to have their characters be Christian anyway. However, this doesn't always have to be the case. It is important to note that the relationships between Jews, Romans, and Christians at the time was complex and has been the subject of debate among historians. I would compare it to the relationship between settlers and Native Americans from my Wild West episode. It wasn't always violent, but it was far from being peaceful. The Romans tended to have more respect for the Jews as they practiced an established religion. While the Romans did put down several Jewish revolts, the Jews were actually granted several privileges, including exemption from military service, the right to practice their ancestral religion, and exemption from having to participate in certain social-religious rituals. The Romans also treated Jews with more respect because they knew that if they pushed them too far, they would take up arms. Christians, in contrast, tended to be pacifists. However, during the time period we will be looking at, persecution of Christians was not as common as you might believe. One of the reasons Christian persecution was more of an isolated event during the time frame of the New Testament was due to how Roman laws worked. Laws were often given to local governors who could enforce them as they saw fit. This makes sense when you consider how much land the Roman Empire covered during its peak. An approach that worked well with the people in Roman Britain, for example, might not work so well with the people who they ruled over in Northern Africa. So while one governor might be exceptionally tolerant of Christians, another would be more hostile towards them. The same would hold true in later times after Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. Some government officials who had converted to this new religion chose to be more merciful towards Jews and pagans, while some were not really any better than the Romans who persecuted early Christians. So, while there were some laws on the books determining what was a legal religion, the enforcement of those laws was far from universal. Major Christian persecution didn't start until quite a bit later, late in the 3rd century, after Emperor Diocletian came to power. But during the time frame of events in the New Testament, Christian persecution was usually local and sporadic. I do want to stress I am not trying to minimize religious persecution in any kind. I think it is a serious issue both back then as it is today. 
though a discussion of this topic would probably be better suited to a different podcast than one about role-playing games. Personally, I really don't care what religion my next-door neighbor practices, or if they choose to practice no religion at all. As long as my neighbor is willing to peacefully coexist with the community and doesn't use his beliefs as a reason to harm others, they can worship an invisible flying spaghetti monster for all I care. But back to the subject at hand. There are very few first-hand accounts of Christian persecution from this time period, and some of the authors who described it were writing decades after these events happened. Earlier, I read a passage from Tatticus. He was born in 54 CE, so while he was alive when the Great Fire of Rome occurred, he would have been about 10 at the time. His descriptions of the persecution of Christians comes from a book, Ab Accessu Divi Augusti, commonly known as the Annals, which was written in 117 CE. It is certainly possible that some of the authors who described early Christian persecution may have made them sound worse than they really were. In the case of Tatticus, though, he is believed to be reputable. As in his own words, My purpose is to relate, without either anger or zeal, motives from which I am far removed. But why, you might ask, would Romans want to persecute Christians? A lot of it has to do with Roman perspectives of religion and state. The Romans back then were known for trying to incorporate the beliefs of the people they came in contact with into their own system of beliefs. We know that many of the Roman gods are similar to Greek gods and are often interpreted as being the same deity, just with a different name. Some of the Egyptian gods also gained popularity within the Roman Empire, as did the Zoroastrian god Mithras. They would also try to relate gods of the tribes further north with their own. Another of Tatticus's works, Germania, describes three principal deities of the Germanic tribes. He identifies them as Mercury, Mars, and Hercules. The Germanic names are Woden, Tiwaz, and Thuner, which equate with the Norse deities Odin, Tyr, and Thor. In the case of Christian beliefs, though, there was just too much incompatibility. Early Christians were mistrusted for refusing to make offerings to the Roman gods, as it was believed the favor of the Pantheon was essential for the continuation of the empire. By refusing to offer their loyalty, Christians were putting the prosperity of the empire at risk. One common way to determine if someone was a Christian would be to ask them to participate in a sacrifice, cook the meat, and eat it. If the accused refused to partake, then they were deemed to be a Christian and subject to punishment. Romans also found some Christian practices strange, particularly the Eucharist, or communion, as they believed it was ritualized cannibalism. Christians also preached loving their brothers and sisters, 
And unfortunately, the Romans took this too literally and believed this meant that Christians were preaching incest. Christians were believed to hate the human race and to engage in black magic practices with the intent of overthrowing society. Conversion to Christianity also had the potential to tear families apart due to the incompatibility of Roman and Christian beliefs. As the church grew, early Christians tried to distance themselves from their Jewish roots. And as you recall, the Romans tended to have more respect for Judaism due to it being an ancient and established religion. Christians were also seen as being very superstitious people. In Roman culture, it was considered undesirable to show heartfelt or even ecstatic expressions of emotion, which was something that apparently the early Christians became known for. To the average Roman, this was seen as losing your mind. Romans also found it strange that early Christians were willing to suffer for their beliefs. This was seen as a sign of weakness, and they often wondered, well, if this new god Christos was so powerful, then why did he not protect his followers from persecution? So this is the backdrop we have for a campaign set in the time of the New Testament. We have a large empire that did allow for the spread of goods and ideas due to infrastructure like the Roman roads. We also have competing religious factions, periods of stability and periods of chaos, and certainly no small amount of political intrigue. So as I said at the start of this episode, next time we will be taking a look at some of the actual D&D related stuff for running a campaign in this time period. Like I said, that will be dropping quite a bit later in the month, probably sometime around Christmas. So with that said, thank you very much for tuning in and have a wonderful day. You have been listening to a production of the Eclectic Media Project. Please check us out on the web at www.eclecticmediaproject.com and on Podbean and iTunes. Find Scott and Chad on Twitter as well at EMP underscore Scott and at Chad EMP. We are on Facebook at Eclectic Media Project. Visit our publishing arm at www.poigamestudio and follow them on Twitter at POI Game Studio. Thank you, and we look forward to bringing you more thought provoking and enjoyable content. <laughs>